Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. This is Dean Linky, but today I hand over the reins to Jason Cutney and Ralph Richards. This is what we have for you today. Hi, this is Jason Cutney, ECNL Boys Commissioner, telling all of you that you do not want to miss this week's episode of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Up first, I will have Ralph Richards, who was just named the new commissioner of ECNL Girls. Ralph and I will discuss his new role and the impact he continues to make on the ECNL. And this is Ralph Richards. I'm thrilled to be on this week's episode of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and excited about this new opportunity as the ECNL Girls Commissioner. And that's not all. As Ralph and I surprised the two ECNL Quick Goal Coaches of the Year, one for the girls' side and one for the boys on today's show. And that includes, from the boys' side, Mark Howard of Oklahoma Energy. And this is Mark Howard. What a surprise and an honor to be on the ECNL podcast and to be named the ECNL Coach of the Year. I'm truly humbled by that. And on the girls' side, we have the Coach of the Year, Gavin Quamina. And this is Gavin. Thanks, ECNL, for this award and this special surprise on this week's edition of Breaking the Line. And so we'll bring that to you after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. I am Dean Linky, but as you just heard, I turn the keys over right now to Jason Cutney, the ECNL Boys Commissioner. Thank you, Dean. And in addition to having two top-level coaches and our guests on the show today, to which I'll get to in a minute, it's with great excitement that I'm joined by an excellent co-host on this week's episode of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, the legend himself, Ralph Richards, the recently announced brand new league commissioner of the ECNL girls. Welcome, Ralph, having successfully guided one of the ECNLs and one of the nation's top youth soccer clubs in St. Louis, Scott Gallagher, for so many years. You got to let us know, how does it feel now to join the ECNL team at such an exciting time in the league's growth and development? Well, first of all, Jason, thanks for uh, co-hosting with me or me co-hosting with you, however we want to say it. It's a uh, second time on the show, so second time is now a host, I guess. That's the rule, so our guests will better be ready for that. But I think joining the league, one, I think it's, I'm, I'm very excited, certainly excited to work alongside you in the uh, commissioner role department. Uh, it was an honor for the to be approached by Christian Leyland, Doug Bracken, to be asked if I would consider the role. Certainly lots of discussion with my wife, Molly, and certainly with my colleagues and people that I respect at the St. Louis Scott Gallagher Club in Scott McDaniel and Steve Petra and so forth. Once all the conversations were said and had, it was just an excellent 
Again, opportunity to work in the best youth league, be surrounded by some amazing, amazing, talented people in our back office, certainly with Christian, Doug and Jen, but there's so many others, as you know. And more importantly, I think it's, you know, an opportunity for me to help continue shaping the landscape of the youth soccer on the girls' side. So excited to be a part of it. And uh, I'm excited to be on this podcast. Like I can say, having coached with you in the past at a national training camp, one of the best people, one of the nicest people that I've met in the game. I still hold it out there that you did beat me in a pull-up contest, which I will never get over. But excellent to work with you on the field. I know the passion that you bring. I know you'll bring that to the ECNL as well. I've been humbled myself since joining the ECNL team a few years ago with how excellent everyone is within that office here, you'll be a great addition to the team. And we look forward to the, to the growth of the girls side with you in charge. So welcome. And with that, I want to introduce the real stars of the show here. It's certainly not about Ralph and I being on this show together. No one wants to hear us talk. We have our esteemed coaches. Both of them have led their teams this year to national championships in the ECNL. Amazing to have these guys on board. Ralph, why don't you help me with introducing our first coach from the ECNL girls side? Yeah, our first coach, our special guest that I want to say is Gavin Kwamina, and I don't know if I got that right, but I, I hope I did. Uh, he also goes by Coach G. That's from what I hear. So hopefully I can call him Coach G at some point because I believe it's people that uh, are, are good friends of his and he uh, has a good relationship with them. So Coach G, I hope at some point I can call you that as well. But Gavin is from Trinidad and Tobago, grew up in Miami, certainly where he learned the love for the game, a wealth of experience developing individual players. I couldn't say them all, but a couple came to mind in, in Shaq Moore, who went overseas for a, a long time or a while, and then now he's back playing in the MLS with Nashville, I believe. Chris Golson, Andrew Carlton, and then also on the girls' side, we have Astrid Wheeler. He's uh, done a lot of work with Astrid and uh, she's obviously excelled in the youth game and is now moving on as well. Most importantly, he is a coach at Concord Fire and he uh, helped his club and his team at the U18-19 age group and he is a winner of a national title. So congratulations and welcome to the show, Gavin. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm honored to be even invited to this platform. And I hope we could uh, share some good information and have a blast today. Well, welcome, Garvin. And, and on the ECNL boys' side, where do I begin with Mark Howard? Let's see. So <laughs> born in Salford, Greater Manchester. He's a Manchester boy. That's right. Manchester United. Uh, came up through the Manchester United system all the way, I think, through 2005 or six. Then he transferred, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark, I believe he went to the Danish Superliga, the champions, the Bronby at that time. Uh, and they had recently hired the Manchester United reserve team coach, Renee Muhlenstein, at that point as their manager. So went over there, happened to play there for a few years, successfully won the Royal League Cup with Bromby, somehow secured a penalty as a center back in the final that led to, uh, I think, if I look right, correctly, or Martin Erickson scoring the 1-0 win over FC Copenhagen. I don't know how you got the PK. I'm sure you dove. <laughs> but to cap it off after... Uh, after that, he was named Bromby's Player of the Year in 2007, would later move on to the U.S. and sign for Oklahoma Energy and jumped into the youth game for coaching. So welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you so much. Sometimes Wikipedia isn't always accurate, though, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is, Mark, our, I, our, our listeners have no idea what you're saying because of your accent. So even if you make fun of me, we should get through it okay here today. 
Um, I told you, make sure we get the subtitles on. <laughs> we'll have to add those. Our, our creative team will be very busy on the edits on this one. So listen, guys, we, we we're very excited to have you both on the show. It's certainly no easy task to go out and win a national championship in any league, right? And so the work that you've put in, oftentimes it goes without notice until you win something, right? Until you win something. We know that as managers around the world, I think Sir Alex Ferguson said it years ago that every manager gets fired, right? And that just kind of shows the lifestyle of managers. You have to win to produce and winning is a big part of the game and a big part of development. But we know there's so much more that goes into it. Right, and having that recognition as a coach, having you guys join us on the show today, uh, it's important for other coaches who make up a big part of our demographic here that listens to the podcast to learn from you guys, to hear your stories, to hear about what you go through, because many of them share the same stories, the same problems and challenges. Uh, and anytime we can gain ideas and insight from two people that are doing it at a very high level will only benefit the other people that are listening to our show. So I say that as an intro, but we actually have a, a bigger reason to have you guys on the show today. Uh, we also want to announce to you guys formally on this show that you are, and you have been named the Quick Goal ECNL Coaches of the Year. So the first time we've ever had that honor. So congratulations, we'll, we'll have to end Thank it you so much. Sound. Um, Appreciate that. A huge honor to you guys. Mark, let's, uh, let's hear from you. We'll start with you first. You capped it off here with the Coach of the Year honor. How do you feel? Shocked. Um, that's a great way um, to kind of, break it to us honestly I'm kind of speechless usually as you know me well enough now that I have a lot to say and you've caught me in a time where I actually don't I'm proud um, I'm honored my goal has been always to change the mentality and uh, and the culture in Oklahoma and I think Isaac winning player of the year uh, yesterday uh, was a big step in the right direction and obviously to be crowned uh, coach of the year is it's a big honor for me so I'm uh, I'm grateful and I'm honored thank you so much Garvin talk to us how do you feel um, the same way. I mean, I'm pleasantly surprised. I had no clue. <laughs> Basically, I'm, I'm just like him. I'm speechless to some degree. I'm truly honored, humbled, uh, because I know in this profession, there's so many coaches out there that are doing their very best. And to be mentioned as one of the coaches of the year, it's, it's, it's truly, truly a blessing. I don't take stuff like that for granted. We put the work in and the byproduct of the hard work, uh, I guess this is the results so I'm truly humbled by that and just like like you said um I have Riley Jackson who's on my team who just won everything that you could win for a young lady uh Gary player of the year Ishina player of the year and all that stuff we won the national championship so I think it all came together and I'm I'm just humbled by this and, and appreciative. Gavin have you uh, had a chance to speak to Riley since the uh the announcement came out or same with you Mark were you able to speak with uh, the player of the year on the boys side let's start with uh, Gavin on that no, Riley's actually in, uh, I just got a text. She's in Spain right now with the national team. She was more um, involved in, she has a little something a little more important playing for the U.S. I mean, it is what it is, you know, just a little something. So no, I haven't got to uh, talk to her about it yet. Just a uh, text that she got it. And I guess when she gets back on the first, I think we will discuss it because she's just been having one of those years, you know, she won Gatorade Player of the Year, CONCACAF, MVP of the tournament. So Yes, we'll discuss it when she gets back. Special player, special talent, and she does, deserves everything she's getting. So Very, very, very special person. Very, very special person. Not, not just a good player, but a good person. And um, that's what we strive to produce. Not just good players, but good individuals that can go out and represent us and their families at a high level. How about you, Mark? I saw Isaac yesterday at the field. He, he rolled up with the biggest smile on his face. 
chest out, walking around. The kid was thrilled. And what was actually nice is we had an ECNL day where all the, all the teams were practicing. So him to come on and everybody gave him a round of applause, clap. He's an inspiration. The kid's a humble kid, the lovely kid, very respectful kid. And it's an inspiration for all the, all the younger ones, the 2010s, the 2009s, the 2008s. That was all watching him for just walk on the field yesterday. But that boy was walking around like Conor McGregor yesterday at practice. So I let him have his day, let's say that. Well, listen, guys, we will be back with our 2022 Quick Bowl ECNL Coaches of the Year after this break. You are listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL girls and ECNL boys coaches of the year and the ECNL girls and ECNL boys goals of the year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. And we are back with Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We are here with the quick goal ECNL coaches of the year. Garvin Kwamina from Concord Fire Platinum and Mark Howard from Oklahoma Energy. We brought that to their attention just before the break, surprised them a little bit here with some great news, deserving news, of course. And now we want to kind of dive into it a little bit. These guys both led their teams to national championships this year. Not an easy feat, something that we certainly want to celebrate here on the show, but we also want to learn from them. We want to understand all about their experience. And so I'll start with you, Mark. So, you, you know, having won a national championship here, Special year, right? You had a player get up for player of the year. You, you were involved in our national training camp as a staff member, had some Oklahoma Energy boys there. But let's talk through the year because it wasn't just your U16s that went on to win a national championship. Oklahoma Energy produced some teams that made a run through the playoffs out of a very, very tough Texas conference. So just take us through the year. What, what were the highs, maybe some of the lows? Kind of capture this moment for us. Well, the 2006 boys, the U16, they started off the season pretty rockily. I've had that group for four years. I think out of the first six games, 
I think they won three, tied two, lost one. It was unusual for him. We took a lot of videotapes. Um, I would make him watch the games back. I remember sitting in an indoor facility and we watched the game that we lost. We went through some things that we needed to work on. And it was really just after Christmas, these boys kind of got the bit between their teeth and they kicked on at the right time. Usually teams peak early on in the year. This team peaked at the, at the right time. The previous year, their first year in ECNL, they, was the, they finished first in the Texan Conference and it was convincing in the first year. Second year, they struggled a little bit, like I said at the start, but they found their groove right at the right time. They deserved a lot of credit there. But we had four out of six teams advance internationals my U14, 2008, they got through to the last 16. That was a successful team they lost in the semi-final of the FC Dallas Cup on PKs. They finished the season undefeated. They was quite unlucky as well. They come up against a good Seattle United team in the last 16. 07s, U15s, they did pretty well. They was unfortunate to, not to advance to the last 16. And the 2009s, that was their first year playing ECNL. It was a great learning experience for them, I'm sure. They're going to be better equipped this year for the season. They've obviously got a new coach in place right now, new ideas, trying to implement his style. So it's an exciting time for, for the teams. With that, I mean, you, you go through a season, you get to the playoffs, the players are kind of introduced to the pressures of the playoffs, right? What did that change about how you performed on the field? Because I saw it with just walking around from field to field with the coaches. You could sense the pressure amongst the coaches. You can understand that the, you know, the pressure was on, so to speak. The players, it was interesting. Certain players, I think, we saw them rise to the occasion of that event and others struggled to find their form through the early stages of games. What was it about your U16 team that helped propel them to that final championship game? I would try and take the pressure off them. You could call it a little bit man management. I like to stay calm before the games, a little bit laughing and joking. I used to always kind of try and motivate them. I used to always say, you're just a small team from Oklahoma. Nobody really recognizes you. Um, stay humble. Uh, make sure you're representing your families where you're from. I told them they had an opportunity to, to really do, things, do something special, not just for themselves, but for the future of Oklahoma soccer. I think Oklahoma soccer is on the rise. I remind them every single time, be humble and make sure you work hard. You're doing something special. You're on the track to do something really special. And like I just kept reminding them, I kept reminding them over and over again. I showed them some quotes, um, some past things about Oklahoma soccer, shared some stories with them. And they took it the bit between their teeth. They had some really tough games, especially in the quarterfinal, semifinal. Um, we played against a good Arlington side, a good pipeline team. We obviously won both games in a PK shootout, but it's not luck in a PK shootout. Sometimes to me, it's like everyone's, it's a luck, it's a toss of the coin. I agree that to a certain extent, but them boys practiced for a month solid because I knew going into the, the, the nationals that we're not going to have any extra time. So we would work religiously on PKs after practice over and over again. I would put them in the different pressure situations. I'd make them do silly things just before. I'd put them in environments where they didn't feel comfortable. So going into a PK shootout, we were well-equipped. We knew the shooters. We knew what to do. They were well-equipped for that. But they, uh, they were resilient. They were resilient. They faced some tough challenges. I think if you, you was there in the first half against Arlington, I don't think we touched the ball. And I, I pulled them in and I was like, what score is it? Because they were beat already. And I said, what scores the game? He's like, 0-0. Zero, zero. So I said, well, why are, you, why are you so slumped down? Like, what's wrong with you? You're nil-nil. They gave you the best. You gave them your worst. Now let's kick into gear. And it kind of, it just transpired into the games. And they, they, I was proud of them at the end of that game. They went through a lot of adversity, a lot of adversity. I think I switched formation three times in the, in the course of the game, which is quite, uh, quite crazy. But they adapted. And that group is very, very resilient. I can relate to the, uh, the PK shootout, uh, the pressures that the players go under. And, and you're right, these, they train. Um, my, uh, the U16 team I had went to the finals, won the national title as well. But as we were in Richmond and getting ready, 
we, we've been training PKs and now all PKs are on Insta. They're all over the place. Every coach knows exactly mm -hmm. where all our kids are going and who's taking them and all that stuff. So, and you're watching them. But at the same time, the Thursday before we played our first game out in Richmond, OP was out there. And so we did a shootout against them just off the cuff. And Chris King knows uh, who takes, you know, number 24 for us. And he knows that he got it. He got in ahead a little bit and she missed in that, in that little game. So the pressures that these kids go under is, is a lot. Now, when it counts, Grace Scott. So that was kind of cool too. But I totally can relate to everything that you're saying about it's luck, but there's also a lot of practice, a lot of dedication, a lot of mindset involved in those shootouts. So hats off. What, what was interesting is um, the England international team, we always struggle with PK shootouts. And I told the boys before, I was like, listen, you've got two English coaches on the sideline. Everything's against you already. I said, we're not successful in PK shootouts. But when we was practicing PKs um, in practice before, I would make sure they told their goalkeeper where they were going. I got that from Gareth Southgate. They would tell the, the striker of the ball would have to tell the goalkeeper where he was going and he would have to perfect his strike every single time. So that's one thing I was trying to relate to these kids. Like, tell the goalkeeper where you're going. And if you hit a clean enough strike, nine times out of 10, in my opinion, the ball's going to end up in the back of the net. Coach G, question for you on the lines of uh, your background. Obviously, tons and tons of uh, wealth of experience in coaching and training and developing individual players like we alluded to. You took that talent and you went into the club game with Concord and obviously overseeing multiple teams and age groups. Talk about the transition from individual training and development. And obviously you take care of the individual and what's right for them. How does that work and how does that translate? And how did that help you, your history and experiences help you to train a championship team and be in one of the best clubs in the country, obviously? Well, the first part of it is I did club prior to privates. I did club with Shaq and them when they were boys, your 14s. I took them from your 13s, 14s, 15s. And then I got out of club and did more private work because uh, the situation was all kind of a volatile situation the club I was in. And when I went back into the private thing, it was, it was fun. And then the, the key thing is this, in my, in my estimate, is like, you don't develop teams. When the individuals develop, the team gets better, right? So it's the same thing. So it's if I have a bunch of individuals and we are bringing along the individuals, like your left foot is weak, we get it stronger. The team will improve. You're heading, you, you can head the ball. We get you to understand how to head the ball. The team will improve. So the collective, it will work with the collective if we, if we truly develop every individual, right? I live by something real simple. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that was my thing going into it. Just having these kids understand that it's not about Coach Gavin thinking he knows everything. You know what I mean? He cares about them. And once, once we establish that I care about you and I care about your personal growth and development as a young player, it will translate into the team and it was an easy, easy trans transition, actually. And, and with that said, obviously, I totally understand and totally can relate to that about caring you know, going into different teams as a coach myself, you know, that is the first thing that we as coaches have to do. We have to earn their trust, right? Trust is a big word, I think, in any kind of development. They need to be trustworthy or we have to be trustworthy of them, trust willing at the same time. And there has to be some back and forth between that. Once there is a trust between a player and a coach or players collectively and a coach, then we all know that great things can happen. 
Talk to us a little bit then about your different teams that you're a part of with Concord. Obviously, in the past, you were working with the O1s and 2s. Did you have any involvement with the O3s? And with the O3s, obviously, some of those players might have joined to the O4s this year to make that U19 team. How was the transition there? How was the collective group working with great individuals and then putting them together to end up winning a title? Well, Concord creates a really good environment for us to work. It's, it's just a really fun environment as far as the players, the coaches, the staff, everybody get along and make things happen and support each other. I started off with the O2s. And um, after the O2s, they moved on. We had a successful run. We will always get all the way to the semis or somewhere there and then lose on 1-0, I mean, Sola. Um, broke our hearts first year and then just kept getting closer and closer. And then finally, they, they, they moved on. We were successful in terms of colleges. We had major, major universities from that school. Everyone, we had 20 players, I think 19 got Division One scholarships. One of them was a loser. She quit to be a, become a surgeon or something like that. What a loser. She wanted to cut people's head open. So other than that, we were really, really successful. The O4s, literally would stand there and watch the O2s play and train. They will come early and they will sit there and they will watch and they will watch and they just, they just love how the O2s play. And I think that was a part of their development also, being able to see the O2s be successful in the Southeast. They won it twice, the conference twice. And the O4s was like, we had to do this, we have to do it. And then the O4s came in and they won the whole thing, the conference four years in a row. I worked with the O3s, but we had no O3s on this team. We had O4s and O5s, actually. So it, it was a situation where the young players just, I think, basically learned a lot from sitting there on the sideline, watching the games. I mean, the O4s, O2s will play a game, and the 4s will sit there and watch the entire game. They will sit there and watch the entire game, which is rare. You'll be traveling, and everybody wants to get back to the hotel, and they sat there and watch the game. I think they get punched in the mouth early on at U14s. They lose the rival club. They get stumped out. And I basically ask them, you know, that feeling that you have right now, put that somewhere. All right? Make sure you don't feel like that again. We will improve. We will get better. And we, we grind. We work. This group truly loves to work. You know what I mean? We felt no pressure because we, we, we went into it where I have a philosophy where preparation cures pressure. I keep telling them that over and over. We're going to prepare, we're going to prepare. If we're prepared, we will feel no pressure. You know, we invite pressure. We work in tight spaces. We work in, in, in spaces where most people, if it's a, a group of 15, they're like, all right, we need a little more space. It looks like organized chaos. But it was a, a philosophy of ours that if we can make one, twos in a, in a phone booth, we would be fine going forward. And then this group, they get stumped on again. And again, they get to the semifinals. They won one year undefeated until they get to the, to the quarterfinals. Uh, they get knocked out and felt like, you know what I mean, horrible. Yeah. But they're resilient. I think this summer we came into it like, look, the seniors, the seniors really said, guys, this is my last try. All hands on deck. Let's go. You know what I mean? And we trained as the fittest we have ever been. We trained very, very, very hard. We got ourselves prepared. And then we got two ACLs from two starters. That kind of pushed us back a bit. And it also got us a little more refocus. 
in terms of, all right, so now they're done, what do we do? We roll over and play dead or we actually go at this thing, all right? And, and they put it together and we rendered it. Um, so that was the O4's journey. They, they, it's a journey where they literally watch the older ones and the O2s, grab as much as they can, they can, they can from them and put it into their lifestyle and they just worked and it, it, it worked out for them. I also have O7s and O8s. My junior monsters, they're coming up. They, they're doing the same thing. They're watching the O4s. They're like, they're in awe of the O4s. And actually at Nationals, the O8s came out of the group and they looked over and uh, they had one more game and they looked over and they saw all the O4s sitting there on the sideline and they went bonkers. It was like, oh my God, is that the O4s watching us? And I mean, they went to Tom, you know, they played really well and the, the O4s was cheering for them. So it's a nice family environment. It's an environment conducive with learning. It's an, it's an environment that, that you will feel comfortable in as a, as a young player. And me as a coach, I'm just living a dream where I can come out there every single day, no matter how tired you are, when you get to the pitch, everything just comes back to life and, and you feel ready because you're seeing these young ladies coming out of their car full of enthusiasm, full of excitement, just willing to learn, ready to work. And um, I can truly say that there's no slackers out there. They come out there and they really and truly put that effort in. So that's the journey that uh, the O4s, the championship was basically learning from the older ones. And uh, I think we're trying the same thing with the younger ones now. They're doing the same thing. And hopefully that brings and breeds some more success within not just my teams, but the club. Um, I'm a club guy. I want the club to do well. I want to be able to say, you know what I mean? We won championships. It's the first on the girls' side. I mean, a million mile journey starts with one step and um, it's the first for the girls' side that we don't want it to be the last. We had six teams qualify for nationals this year. Three got out of the group. One went on to the semis and stuff. And as a staff, we got together and said, you know, we have to, we have to change that. We have to, it has to be a situation where we're all in uh, the final stages, semifinals, finals, to give ourselves a chance. So that's where we are right now been blessed here this, this last few minutes we've had a lot of good words of wisdom from the coaches one thing garvin i'll take away that your quote there where you said nobody cares about what you know until they know how much you care amazing line right there and something i think we can learn from in many different respects outside the game as well we will take a quick break now we'll come back after this and finish it out with our, our special guest here the ecnl quick goal coaches of the year garvin palmina and mark howard from oklahoma energy and Concord, respectively. We, we thank you guys very much. We'll be back after this news from our partners. Thank you. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I'm Jason Cutney, the boys commissioner, here with Ralph Richards, the girls commissioner. And we are joined by our quick call ECNL coaches of the year, Garvin Quamina from Concord. Mark Howard from Oklahoma Energy. Just before the break, we were talking all about the amazing team dynamic that they have within their clubs, the culture within those clubs, what led to those teams having ultimate success, not just the teams that went on to win the national championships for them, but 
all the different clubs and, and teams that were successful within their club, I should say. Uh, now we're going to dive a little bit more into the coaching piece of it. Right? We have a lot of coaches that listen into this show. We want to dive into this with these guys. I was very much blown away this year at the, the national training camp on the boys' side with the level of the coaches that we had. Mark Howard was one of our lead coaches there. We had a very strong cast of coaches. Years ago, I actually met Ralph Richards when we were on staff together at the ECNL Girls National Training Camp in Portland. I was humbled at that time as well, just being around some great coaches. I really felt like for me, it was the first time that I was pushed way out of my comfort zone as a coach. And I learned a, a tremendous amount from those around me. I'm interested, Mark, you obviously have a prolific playing background. You played under also some major managers in your career, both as a youth and as a professional. What stood out to you the most when you got to the national training camp? What were the challenges that you faced? And, and give us a little bit of insight on how you overcame those in that moment. Well, when you go to the national training camp, you're given the best 20 kids. I, I know I had the best 20 kids. I know Stephen Hoffer and, and Dara Russell had 20 kids with, with him there. Is how do I get them to play as a team in such a short space of time? I had um, Arturo from the Dallas Texans, who I thought did an amazing job with me as well. Um, we just wanted to calm him down, try and implement ideas in a system that we uh, was probably different to him from what they're usually playing at their club. I think, you know, we played a 3-5-2 formation. And how could we get those boys to buy into it and, and implement ideas that I wanted to come across? I had an absolute blast with that, with the national training camp. Going into it, I, uh, I didn't know what to expect, but I had a blast with the boys in my group. I had a blast with my assistant coach and getting to know all you guys from the, from the ECNL back, backroom staff people, uh, Blaine, all the girls and the guys back there. It was a great event. I think the boys enjoyed it. I can speak from my end, from my two boys. They... They didn't know what to expect. They was a little bit nervous, apprehensive going into going into the camp. And at the end of it, they was just telling all the boys when they got home, this is what happened. This is what we we did. I think it also helped them both getting selected in the best 11. I think that gave them a little bit of a, a perk and a step. But no, going back to your question, it's, it was mainly how do we get those 20 kids to buy into our our style, we want, what we want to do, what we want to achieve going into a game. Obviously, going into the game, we had a lot riding on it. I think Una was... As one of the staff members, we was going back and forth with Daryl and, and Stephen. It was having just a little bit of friendly banter back and forth there. But no, it was just, how do we get them to enjoy themselves, to relax and buy into what we actually want them to do? And I think by the end of it all, we accomplished that. Even though the game got cut, obviously, in the second half due to the weather, I was pleased. And I think we got exactly what we wanted out of it. Well, Ralph, I mean, yeah, I'm interested to hear from you a little bit on this as well. You, you mentioned before, you also this year won a national championship. I, I suddenly realized I'm the only person on this panel that has not done that. You've led teams at a high level, right? SLSG, a top level club uh, nationally. You've taken your team now to the top of that as well. You've been involved in national training camps as well. You've seen the players at the highest level of the game. What is it about the coaches in terms of their demeanor, in terms of their approach, the way they speak to players? What is it about them that you have seen has led to more successful coaches, right? Who is actually hitting the nail on the head and why? What's the special recipe that those coaches have that others lack? I think it goes right to Gavin's point as caring, right? It's the coaches that can have knowledge, which all these coaches in our league do. The coaches that are going to the national training camp, obviously I was out there. We had some younger coaches that are coming through. Collectively, a lot of people from across the country have great ideas. But I think the one thing that they bring that everyone can resonate with is they absolutely care. They want what's best for the individual first and foremost, doesn't matter if it's for their team or if it's at a national training camp. And then they're very clear and concise about how they 
explain what they're looking for. And I think that's the main thing, getting a point across in a clear way that a player from the West Coast, the East Coast, the South can then get on the same page quickly in a camp environment, just like Mark was saying. Those camps are incredibly challenging for the coaches, I think, right? As well as for the players. Uh, the first couple of days, they're always a little bit tentative as far as coaches feeling like they can be themselves, express themselves, but then also with the players. By the time you get to that third and fourth day, it's like we've been coaching them for three or four months and they know exactly how it is. And the quality of the players just shines through because everyone's more relaxed. And I think that that makes uh, what makes a special coach that can get that message across and, and create that environment for these players. Well, Garvin, everything that we've been saying so far kind of ties into what you spoke about in the last segment. But let's turn it a little bit more for you in terms of coaches are mentors, right? We, we try our best to mentor these players beyond the field of play. Who is a mentor for you, right? Who helped you get to the point where you're at within life, within coaching, within your competitiveness, all those types of things? Who, who really kind of helped steer you in that direction? I have several mentors. I have, um, obviously, I was raised, my, mo my mother was a, a very instrumental part in me being who I am today in respects to just having that discipline. Like, you know, growing up in the island, sometimes you're a little boy, you think you can do whatever you want, escape it, doing, just being a, we call it a little bad little boy, you know what I'm saying? And my mother didn't have that. She was a person of discipline. You have to be disciplined. And I think that is the, the foundation of who I am. It's a discipline-based thing. I was a good player. I had no discipline as a player. Right. So the problem was for me, I've seen a lot of guys that had a wealth of talent, like so much talent. And you go back to the islands and stuff, and they're right where you left them, right on that bench or area that you grew up. And you said, you come out here and you see people that are being successful and they're not, they don't have half the talent that those guys have. But the discipline, I think discipline. I have several mentors, guys who, who I call, I have people that I call on personally. Uh, my circle for help as far as the sport is concerned. But for the foundation, the foundation of it would be my mother and discipline. I bring that to the forefront. Uh, my kids, they show up. They have to acknowledge me. They must say, hello, hi, how are you? Some people, I'm a little old school. I don't allow kids to call me Gavin. I'm not their Gavin. They call me coach. They call me coach G. They call me coach Gavin, but I'm not your Gavin. You can't just come in. Hey, what's up, Gavin? It's, it doesn't work like that. And I think once you establish that discipline everybody else fall in line you know what i'm saying it's not a fear thing it's just a, a discipline thing and 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 we take that and we we start to build from there you know I, I have a thing where when a new kid comes in she calls me gavin i let the rest of the team do 25 push-ups that kid doesn't do anything and it's because you didn't tell her you need to let her know that this is the coach you know you don't go in there and tell your doctor you don't call the doctor hey sam i'm feeling sick you know what i mean and I take this thing really, really serious. I take this thing, this is what I do. It's my job. You know, I'm a, I'm a chef. I'm an executive chef by trade, but this is what I do now. So I take it very serious. So discipline is the, is the, is the foundation for me going forward. And, and my mother is that, that was that person that instilled that in me and was my true, true mentor who started this thing for me. What about you, Mark? Who's, who's the, uh, I know you played for, again, you played for some of the biggest managers in the world, but uh, who mentored you in terms of your current coaching demeanor, the environment that you create amongst the players, your relationship with the players? Or is there someone that was instrumental in that for you? I probably have three, and I, well, I'll go from pretty quickly. I'm going to go with the obvious. I was fortunate enough to play for under Sir Alex Ferguson. Extremely demanding, 
extremely ruthless. Um, but the culture, the environment that, that that guy built in Manchester will will always stay with me. And every, everything that I want to implement now on my teams, I'm always going to go on my past experiences with that. If it was coming into into the training ground, saying hello to the kit man, to the to the groundskeeper, to the office lady, just being respectful. Nobody was bigger than anybody. We had some big players at that time, having Roy Keane, who's my idol. He was an equal to the cafeteria lady. And that was all built from Sir Alex Ferguson, just the way he was and just the, 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 the atmosphere that he created. So I would probably have to say Sir Alex Ferguson, um, in my opinion, the best manager, manager of all time. But he was a massive influence on, on everything. Going back to, he even wrote me a, a letter for, for my green card when I was coming over to the US. I think that's just, just the touch of the guy, the class he has. Um, he remembers everybody individually. And I was always on the fringes of the first team. I didn't play 100 games or so in the first team, but he was always reach out. How are you doing? I'm awesome to see you coaching. And like I said, he was, he was kind enough to write me a, a letter on, on, on my behalf. My style, I will always go back to a coach called Peter Sorensen. He was my head coach in a team called AGF Aarhus. Once again, he was very demanding, very hard, great man management, could get the best out of absolutely everybody. And he had that quality where you could run through a brick wall for the guy, you'll do anything for the guy. If someone said, if you ask you to run through fire, you would. And it was crazy. That's a quality in a coach itself, in my opinion. Like you would literally go on the field and you'd do anything for him. And I also was uh, very respectful of his style of play, the way he, he went about things, his organization, his discipline, the way he pressed, his moments, just all small detailed stuff. So if I was to judge my coaching style, it would be around uh, Peter Sorensen. And the last one for me would be Jimmy Nielsen. I was fortunate enough to be the assistant coach uh, for the pro team in the Oklahoma Energy. For me, Jimmy, what I took from Jimmy was he's just his presence and his man management skills, second to none. He would, he would wait around after games, signing autographs for kids, waiting around and talking to, to fans, some people. Me, I'd lose a game. I just want to get off. I would just want to just focus on myself in the locker room. No matter what game we win, lose, tie, he would be out there signing autographs. He would have the time for, for every single person out there. So I would have to put Jimmy Nielsen, who's also a very close friend of mine, in that category. I learned a lot from him just from a purely man management style. So they're three big influences on my on my coaching style. Mark, follow-up question on that, if, if, if I can. Yeah. You get coaches, and, and I don't know you, at all and I've not coached against you I haven't seen you on the sidelines so hopefully one day I can I can come and meet you and see you coach live you get a coach that is based into the X's and the O's and the tactics and then you get the man management style right someone that can relate to the player and talk about cultures and and behaviors and things along those lines who would you say or which side of the scale would you kind of lean towards that's more important which side of the scales do you sit on I sorry I get asked this question quite a lot and I would go manage, my management is 60%, coaching is 40%. That's the scale I would always balance from. Man management to me is super important. You get a kid to do anything, he's going to buy into your system. He's going to do absolutely anything that you want. The trust has obviously got to be there, but 60% man management, 40% coaching, in my opinion. Gavin, I got a question for you if, you, if it's okay. Give us your side of the scale where you are as well on, on that one. I'd love to hear that. I think it's always good for anyone out there listening, but the three of us, we're on a stage this summer and we got to speak and acknowledge the crowd and uh, our parents, our families, our players, most importantly, the league. When you're up there, I know firsthand, I'm sure I forgot a ton of stuff that I was thinking about saying. Is there anything that you would like to say today on this podcast that you didn't actually say on stage? Because And I heard your speech. I thought it was fantastic, by the way. Well, he'd set you up for 
success on that. And uh, I think he did a tremendous job there in Seattle, acknowledging the crowd and being a very gracious champion, no question. But anything that you would like to say to either your families, to your players, to your club? Well, going back to the question with which one is more important as far as management, players or style, I truly believe it's, it's like he has 60-40. For me, it's, it'll be based on the individuals. I mean, we, that's why it's called management. We have to figure out exactly what child can do what. And, and there's some kids you can yell at and there's some kids you can't, you can't even look at because she may break and, and, and just quit. That's on the girl side, you know? They're so different. So it's, it's more of an individual thing as far as for me with managing the player or the X's and O's, you know? As you grow and you know them and they're around you for four years, you kind of know who can, what, what buttons you can push with, with some kids. I had an incident where I, a kid, she, she wasn't scoring and she was down herself and she's losing her mind. And a friend had an open goal and turned around and passed the ball for her and she kicked wide. And I ripped the kid. I mean, I ripped the kid up and I'm going home and I'm like, what an idiot. You up whatever amount of goals. Why would you rip the kid? And I go to apologize to her the next day. I was like, let me talk to you. I said, uh, my bad yesterday and trying to apologize. And she goes, I should have scored the damn goal. You're fine. You know what I mean? So you figure out how tough she is. And there's another kid on that, on that team. If I yell like, at her like that, she probably wouldn't show up the next day. You know what I mean? So I think it's a, the balance has to deal with the individuals. And um, the X's and O's, obviously, is very important because we got to figure out who we're playing and what we want to do. I just like the balance based on the individuals. As far as who I like, what I like to say that I didn't get to say on that stage, man. First of all, Walid is a, that guy is a, a class act. That guy is something special, right? He's a very, very neat guy. Um, we played them earlier on in the year and the score got out of hand real quick. We scored a lot of goals on them. And he, he saw me the next day, we were at a showcase. And he said, you know, he was, he was like, I'm humbled by this. And he, he literally said to me that you have what it takes to win this thing. I have won this with way less talent than you have. He said that to me. I mean, he actually motivated me there and then. He made me come back to Atlanta saying, if this guy can say that, then I truly have a chance. You know, even, even though I believe that, he kind of motivated me even more. You know? um, I believe in myself and my team, but he kind of like helped me along that way. He's a guy of grace. He's a guy, he's a spiritual guy. He's a, just a really, really, really good individual. Um, I just wanted to make sure and get that out there. Class act. As far as my family and, and the players and everyone, I tried my best to, because it was our first championship on the girls' side, to include everyone. So I had this big rah because the kids have never seen me celebrate. I've never celebrated. I don't celebrate the goals. I mean, they were mad at me. I didn't celebrate the semifinals. <laughs> Sitting there going, why? My God, he's not even smiling. He's complaining about a goal we gave up with 10 seconds to go. And it's just who I am. I, I, I think there's a time to celebrate, and I think there's time to pay attention to detail. I'm a coach that pay attention to details. I say take care of the, pa the paper cut that you get, take care of it, because it can go into gangrene and you can lose your whole hand. So you get a paper cut, clean it up, make sure that doesn't go any further. And that's my philosophy as far as when it comes to the coaching and teaching. So I go and nitpick at the smallest thing that you think is you pass the ball in the area of the person you think is a good pass. Well, it's a bad pass because she had to turn the shoulders to pick it up. Play it in stride, you know? So the, the whole thing, I wanted everyone 
to experience that feeling, that joy that the other kids were feeling. So that they can come back saying, I want this. That's what I was trying to create. I was trying to create an environment where the kids are saying, I want to be on that stage. I want the rah, rah, rah. I want to see Coach Gavin act the fool again. He never acts the fool. You know what I mean? He's this disciplinarian guy. I want to see him jump up and down and scream, you know? So that's what he was trying to create. And for all the fans and, and, and the friends and the family and the players, they all know that um, Concord really and truly, Greg has created an environment where he makes everybody comfortable. He, he knows everybody's names. He, he, he walks around the park. He's that guy that's walking around the park picking up trash. And you, we know that, that that's the guy that's running the club. You know what I'm saying? For all of them out there, I'm just ready to get that feeling again, get the others excited again, where they can have, have, have a, a chance to win succeed and, and and all the hard work that they do get a chance to go up on that stage and really and truly show out and get excited and all that good stuff i'm sure you guys will get a chance again because i know the culture that you've created and greg has created at concord there's no question that you guys will be in the running for many many years to come as uh winning titles and conferences and championships and potentially pushing on to be the number one club in the country as most people aspire to do you are a perfectionist, I know that, and you are also a class actor. So congratulations again to you. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, guys, well, this has been a fantastic episode. Again, we very much appreciate having the two coaches on with us today. Again, Garvin and Mark, the Quick Goal ECNL Coaches of the Year, the first time we've handed out that honor from Quick Goal. Quick Goal will be in touch with you guys with some, uh, some prizes for you guys to, uh, to enjoy your winnings. But certainly want to celebrate your, uh, your season, your year, the way you've handled yourself throughout the ECNL. We always say it all the time that our league is only growing by the clubs, right? And the clubs are the ones that are growing this league. We know that you guys are the ones developing the players, not the league. We certainly turn to our coaches for inspiration. I got that myself today, listening to the three of you, including Ralph, because I know some, uh, some very high-level coaches on this podcast with us today. But this was an excellent episode of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you guys very much for joining us here today. And best of luck as you go into the 22-23 seasons. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And this is Dean Linke thanking Jason and Ralph and congratulating the ECNL Quick Goal Coaches of the Year. I also want to thank the rest of the great people at the ECNL, including Christian and Jen and Doug and Andrea and Blaine and the entire gang. Cannot forget our producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of them. And all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.